just a little PSA to start with. If you would like to be doing what I'm doing right now, you can talk to me after church, and I will give you a week to do it. Okay. <clears throat> the gospel reading for this evening is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamp and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Before there was Tina Fey and Judd Apatow, there was John Hughes. And before John Hughes, there was, apparently, the author of the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> the parable of the wise and foolish bridemaids has the same predictable characters and casual disregard for coherent plot points as any Mean Girl movie. The difference is only Matthew's author puts the story in Jesus's mouth and starts it with, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. The premise of the story is that this group of bridesmaids are sent out to welcome the groom to the wedding banquet as he arrives by lighting his way with lamps. Bridesmaids could also be translated uh, virgins or young girls. So don't think Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. The girls predictably break into two groups, the clever, pretty children of privilege and the stupid, plain children of working-class single parents. The bridegroom is delayed, and they all become drowsy and fall asleep. At midnight, there's a shout, look, here comes the bridegroom, come out and meet him. The shouter is not identified. He is the one who sent the girls out. Is he the same one who sent the girls out to meet the groom? I don't know. But the girls all jump up, and they straighten their dresses. And as they do, the clever, pretty rich girls roll their eyes at the hand-me-down frocks the stupid plain girls' mothers had to take in or let out so they would fit. And if they weren't feeling enough shame already, the stupid plain girls realize their lamps are going out and they don't have enough extra oil. So screwing up all the courage they can muster, they ask the clever, pretty, rich girls for just a little bit of oil. Just a little so their lamps won't go out. No, we need all our oil, they reply. If we give you some, there might not be enough for us. 
you are just going to have to buy some for yourselves. It is always a fun part of the movie when the sympathetic loser characters are driven off by the mean cool kids and have to make their way scared and naive through the rough part of town late at night in a quest for something. But it's always kind of a little unrealistic, right? I mean, it doesn't make much sense, as in the case with this parable here. Like, how far away is the bridegroom? I mean, they see him coming. He must be in sight, so how much extra oil are they really going to need? And clearly the smart girls could have given them some oil. They're just being mean girls. And are we supposed to believe that there is like an all-night oil shop that they're going to somehow find? And even if there was an all-night oil shop, do you think these girls have cash on them? I mean, I don't think so. Pocket money for extra oil? Are you kidding? Their moms hold down two jobs, and they still can't make ends meet. And where are the adults here, okay? These are, these are little girls out late at night. I mean, maybe some adult could help them with their oil problem, help these poor girls out. And what about the man who's shouting for them to go meet the bridegroom? These are just kids. Come on. It seems like a lot of expectations, which very likely have not been completely explained to them. Uh, they've been placed, a lot of these things have been placed on these young girls, and they've not been properly prepared. You think they purposefully didn't bring extra oil? There's nothing malicious going on here. They don't have extra oil, all right? They don't have money for extra oil. These smart, pretty, rich girls, they have all the oil they need. They don't even know what it's like to not have extra oil. Oil everywhere. Their parents, they even have designer oil. Any kind of scent you want, they got it. Fast burning, slow burning. Uh, their parents, they set up their lamps for them. These rich girls don't even got to work the lamps. They made sure they had extra oil. They got them the new outfits for the occasion. And they showed them the proper way for a young lady to greet the bridegroom. So, of course, the bridegroom comes, and the smart, pretty, rich girls meet him and escort him to the banquet, and they all go in. It's quite lovely, and they shut the door. Finally, the stupid playing girls get back, hair in disarray, dirt smudging their faces from their misadventures all night seeking the oil. Who knows if they even got any oil? But this doesn't matter now. They're just relieved to have made it back to the wedding banquet. They knock on the door. Uh, Lord, Lord, uh, we're here, please open up. But the replies, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. And the narrator concludes, keep awake, therefore, you know neither the day or the hour. He's saying this to these little girls? Come on. Matthew's author intends this to be another parable about being prepared and attentive to the kingdom of heaven. But inadvertently, or not, it communicates the message that seems to be contrary to the heart of the Gospels. These poor and privileged girls, with no one giving them any help, they knock on the door, and the Lord tells them, truly, I do not know you. Ah, yes, you do. You know them. They are the rest of the girls you sent out to meet the bridegroom. You know, the ones, the missing little girls. Yeah, that's who they are, the ones who didn't show up when the bridegroom came out, who were out all night. 
And then after the author tells us that these girls were not let into the wedding banquet, he tells them to keep awake, therefore you know neither the day nor the hour. Um, We just read the story. They do know the day and the hour. That's why everybody's there. I mean, that's why the girls are there at the banquet, because it is the day and the hour of the wedding. Everybody knows the day. You told them. And you do know the hour. That's why you sent the girls out to meet the bridegroom, because it was time. It was the hour. Sure, the bridegroom was a little bit late, but to say you don't know the day and the hour, well, this makes no sense. This seems like uh, unfair. Finally, the implication that these stupid plain girls, disadvantaged girls, didn't get in the banquet because they did not stay awake? In the same way, we won't get into the kingdom of heaven if we're not prepared or attentive when the kingdom comes? If we don't stay awake? But all the girls fell asleep. The rich ones... The pretty ones, the smart ones, the children of privilege, they fell asleep as well. They just had all the advantages, the material and otherwise, to overcome this error of a little bit sleepiness. The other girls didn't have the resources and were judged and excluded. It didn't matter whether the children of privilege stayed awake or not or if they took a nap, they're always getting in, no matter what happens, no matter what they do, they're getting in the wedding banquet. So, to get back to how Jesus starts this whole parable, the kingdom of heaven will be like what? The kingdom of heaven will be a place where the privileged can gain access because they can afford it, because they have the time. They're not going to work on the Sundays when the Lord returns. I mean, I assume the Lord is coming back on a Sunday. It would make sense. They're going to be already because they have nothing else that they need to be doing. Yeah, they're going to get in to that kingdom of heaven because they can buy whatever they need to appear prepared. They won't look like they just woke up. The Lord will be so happy to see them. He won't even miss the rest of the people stupid enough to not make enough money or get enough money from their parents to keep those oil lamps lit. The kingdom of heaven, then, will be a place where power and privilege where wealth is equated with virtue and righteousness. I do not like this version of the kingdom. We already have a place like that. We live in it, right? The kingdom of heaven, if it is like this, I don't want it. And I'm not going. I probably wouldn't even get in, you know? I'd probably be with them. I'm going to be standing outside the door with most of the rest of the world, knocking and knocking, hearing the Lord deny that he even knows me. You know, wait a minute. This isn't the first knocking thing we find from Matthew. This isn't how the knocking is supposed to go in Matthew. In the first part of the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells the crowd, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find it. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And if there is any among you, if your child asks for bread, 
will you give them a stone? No. If your child asks for a fish, will you give them a snake? No. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things for those who act? Like you ask and they give it to you? That seems like some socialism to me. The guy behind the door in this parable, that can't be Jesus. The man who sends the girls away, that can't be God. The whole, that whole world where power, privilege, and wealth pass as righteousness, that cannot be the kingdom of heaven. That world is a nightmare world. The kingdom of heaven cannot depend on anything we have or do. We are not gathered into full presence of God based on our own righteousness. We are gathered into God's presence through God's mercy, through the momentum of love from creation rippling out through history to the present, to this moment, into the infinite future. And the mercy and love of God, born by and through Jesus the Christ, can't be something that's held off. Can't be held off as a future promise. We should be able to have all that kingdom of heaven good stuff now. These girls, maybe all these girls, they're still asleep. They are. The kingdom of heaven is all around them. But they don't see it because they're all still asleep. Maybe this idea of this kingdom of heaven or this world we live in that favors those who've already been favored and punishes those who are already disadvantaged is a nightmare that we've all been having. We're asleep outside waiting for the groom to come, all having the same dream. Wake up. <laughs>